Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. That made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely. All together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth, you created all for love's sake became poor so here I am to worship here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God you're all together lovely all together worthy all together wonderful to me and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god you're all together lovely all together worthy all together wonderful to me so here i am to worship here i am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Would you please pray with us? Dear God, we're so grateful and thankful to be able to come together here and worship you. Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and open our minds so that we could truly focus on the message and receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Priceless gift Undeserved life Have I been given Christ crucified Got me out of death Turn and greet each other. you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us today. We'd like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. We try our best to live these out. The first of which is radical hospitality. We're trying to uh, more and more create a space that is welcoming to you. We start with seating. If you would like to sit in the bleachers up above everybody else and look around like I would, we've got bleachers for you. If you'd like a table, if your child wants to color, and sit at a table, you certainly can. If you want to um, have your uh, breakfast snack at the table, you certainly can. If you want to join us here, if you have a child that is feeling a little unsettled and you want to rock them, we have new rocking chairs in the back. And if we have no children that are unsettled, anyone can sit in rocking chairs in the back. And uh, we're grateful to have all of that. We have visitor cards and we have prayer cards every Sunday. If you want to give us more information about yourself, any type of contact information uh, that you'd like to give us, we'll contact you in that way. Um, you can simply raise your hand and we'll bring you one. We also have prayer cards uh, that you can participate in the prayer life of our church. We have a group that prays every Tuesday, uh, faithfully every morning, and they uh, consider, uh, among other things, the prayer cards that are given to them from people in our worship service. So if you uh, raise your hand, our usher will bring you either one of those. Uh, they'll have both in their hands, and they'll bring them to you. Um, we have our pictorial directories here. You can also, also always see them uh, in the email that goes out on Tuesday and Thursday. There's a hyperlink there. We have um, pictures coming up soon uh, that we will add to the directory. The digital one will continue to be updated. We have um, people giving us more and more updated contact information. We're going to put it there, and if you pull up the digital version, the correct information will be there. Having a directory is not the end of the battle. It's the beginning. So now we've got to keep up with it. So if you, if you move, if you get a new cell phone, if you get a new home phone, if you get a new email, just let us know and we will make sure uh, that we put it there. Uh, we have a meal coming up. It's the second Wednesday this month. 
Um, it's this Wednesday, and today is your last chance to sign up for it. Um, Brett Hovis is cooking for us now. He does a great job. He's got the biggest grill you've ever seen. He needs an uh, amazing truck to bring it here. Um, he does a great job. You can smell it all over our campus starting at about 1 o'clock. Um, it's tremendous, and the program is tremendous. Uh, Don Chapke, our 11 a.m. pianist, uh, accomplished musician, uh, well-known all throughout this upstate, is going to play for us uh, in the sanctuary. So we'll eat in here. We'll travel over to the sanctuary and listen to him play. It's going to be amazing. And you simply put uh, Wednesday dinner out from your name and the number of children, number of adults, and you are registered. You're done. Um, we believe in passionate worship, and we've got a couple of announcements. First of which is at this time, K-5 through second graders are dismissed to go to chapel. They'll be walked directly to Sunday school afterwards. Uh, so Miss Aaron is going to stand up, and any K-5 through second, year, second graders that would like to go, uh, we'll go with Miss Aaron to chapel and then straight to Sunday school. Many of you got, go back and forth between the 9 a.m. service and the 11 a.m. service in our sanctuary. There are changes coming in the sanctuary over the next two months. And it's going to slightly impact our worship in there. We're basically going to be on the floor like we are here. And that's because the chancel is changing. Uh, due, to, due to the generosity of a gift of one of our faithful members and the growing choir, we've got to create space for that choir and the organ is actually being moved out of the chancel. If you were looking the way that y'all look, the organ is in the back. It's going to be over there on the far right where the Christmas tree was uh, at Christmas Eve and pews which were facing inward are now going to face outward. So these folks right here are going to be like state of the union uh, for the sermon. Right? They'll be right behind me. So you're going to have to smile and be happy because they're going to be right behind me. Uh, so you'll see those changes coming in the sanctuary over the next two months, and we're grateful for that. Uh, we believe in intentional faith development. In all Christmas break, I said, um, and we're going to take a little break from that, um, but that break is over. We start back um, all our programming, children, youth, and adults tonight. I'm going to ask Bob McQuaid. Bob is on our uh, new formed uh, spiritual life. sermon coming up. <laughs> no, no sermons. Uh, spiritual Life Council, as part of intentional faith development, he's going to tell us about the adult class. Churchgoer recently wrote, quote, not long ago, I had read virtually none of the Bible. Thanks to some early years spent attending church, I was vaguely familiar with stories of the Bible. Then a question started to gnaw at me. How could I make sense of the worship services week after week if I didn't have a working knowledge of the basic textbook of Christianity? I suspect the lack of working knowledge of the textbook of the Bible is common among many Christian churchgoers, regardless of age. So starting on January 14, we will have an opportunity to change that by participating in the winter-spring Sunday evening Bible series. Three studies of five weeks each have the potential to not only change what we know, but how we live. The Reverend Fred Parker is leading the first study beginning next Sunday evening at 5.15 in the social hall. It'll be a great study on the life and message of the Apostle Paul. I challenge you to get intentional about faith development this year by attending next Sunday evening. I'm sorry, that's me. Um, thank you, Bob. Uh, so I need to correct one thing. Children and youth start tonight. Children and youth are off next week because Greenville County Schools. Adults start next week. Then we're all in line coming in the future. Uh, Risk-taking mission and service. I want to say thank you for all the jackets that you brought. Um, we did a great job bringing those in, and they were all sorts of different sizes, and the community will be blessed by those jackets. We'll have a new thing coming up for you very soon as the Mission and Service Committee starts meeting in February. Finally, extravagant generosity. Let me tell you all something. Many times, in many churches that I've served, and in this church for many years, the church has been okay because the staff kept their budgets really low. We didn't quite make the budget numbers, but we didn't spend quite as much because we were trying to get by. 
our church, our staff is still going to remain vigilant in, main, in keeping sure that we protect uh, the money that you give us. But you exceeded the budget in giving last year. You exceeded the budget in giving last year. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. Um, that means that we can do the things that we want to do, the things that we plan to do, hope to do. Our budget will be uh, very similar coming up this year. Um, we want to make sure that we stay conservative, that we are faithful with your generous gifts to us, but we're grateful uh, that we're able to... Um, I'm going to reference Forrest Gump in the sermon. I'll tell you what he said when you didn't have to worry about money. Well, that's just one last thing, right? You remember when he said that? That's just one last thing that we have to worry about. It means we can function. It means we can um, um, exceed all the things that we want to do. So thank you. I appreciate that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this warm space this morning and for classrooms and gathering spaces throughout this campus that will be warm as we gather. We're grateful. We consider those who do not have a warm space this morning and we ask that you continue to help us to consider those people to give to those people, to serve those people, to serve the agencies in this community that help them. You've drawn us here this morning, Lord. You've given us an opportunity to respond to your faithfulness. Use every instrument in this service, Lord, to teach us, to lift us up, to inspire us, to push us forward. It's in your holy name that we gather today. And it's in your name that we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to talk about Jonah for the next four weeks. Simple book. You could read it this afternoon over lunch, really. It's really short, but really powerful. And if you pull it apart, you'll see uh, concepts and fundamentals and things about the connection of God to human beings and the uh, struggles that human beings have in just four chapters. And we're going to read one chapter per week. And we're going to start today with chapter one. So we're going to talk about a word. And it's running. How many of you love to run? You don't have to raise your hands. I know we don't, we don't do that. In fact, you know what happened yesterday? We went to a bishop's meeting yesterday of the Greenville District. And he asked us to raise our hand for a question. And I found that I didn't raise my hand even though I believed it. I thought, well, see, now I can't make fun of them anymore. Can't do it. So I won't ask you. How many of you like to run? Literally. How many find yourselves running metaphorically? We're going to talk about that um, this morning. We're going to start with three images. I thought, if I'm going to find somebody running, let's look at somebody famous who was running. Forrest Gump. This time, he was running because uh, awful boys in a truck were driving behind him. He had braces on his legs, so everyone thought it was a great time to pile on him and make fun of him. And as they chased him with a truck, he started running down that road, and he actually ran so hard that his braces came off and he could run free. Those braces that had helped heal him were now impeding him, and he um, ran for literally his life as that truck was right behind him. Let's look at the next one. This is Forrest as a soldier in Vietnam. Do you remember why he ran here? Their uh, group was under attack. A vicious attack coming in on them. And he ran because the love of his life, Jenny, told him, if you're ever in trouble, run. That artillery came in, 
He ran, he got free, but then what did he do? He ran back. And when he ran back, he picked somebody up and he ran out. And he picked somebody up and he ran out. My hair's standing up on my arms. Picked somebody up and ran out and saved so many lives that day. Not thinking about his own safety, but running to help others. Two entirely different reasons to run. Let's look at the third one. <laughs> this is when he was running back and forth across the country and growing a pretty epic beard. Y'all know how I feel about beards. I think they're amazing. He's got this thing going. Why did he run this time? Heartbroken. Over breaking up once again with the love of his life, Jenny, running back and forth across the country. This time, he's going away from something that's entirely painful to him. One time he's running because a truck's chasing him. One time he's running because he's helping his friends. One time he's running because he cannot think of anything else or do anything else because it's all connected to her. I cannot do it. And he's running. Keep those three things in mind as we read our text for today. Chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. The thing that always comes to mind when I read this text is a two-year-old running from bath time. Like, what's your plan? <laughs> right? You can't open doors. You can't drive cars. You can't outrun me over time. But he figures he can flee from the Lord. He's running. So your first phrase, go to that great city. Do you all know how Jonah feels about Nineveh? How do you feel about your most bitter rival? How would you feel if that bitter rival beat you for 20 straight years? How would you feel if that bitter rival was in threat of just coming apart and wasn't going to exist anymore after defeating you for 20 straight years? How would you feel? He says, go to that great city. Does he mean large city? If so, it is. It's a huge city. It says it takes three days to go across it. Does he mean fun city? Go to that great city. It's so much fun to go there. Jonah obviously thinks not. Mm -mm. Does he mean go to that significant city? Jonah thinks not. No way. I would love for them to be wiped off the face of the earth. That would be my great pleasure and joy. Now what's significant here as he's considering that is that Jonah is the mouthpiece of God. He's a leader. He's not just some person. It's his job to be the mouthpiece of God to people that are around him. Prophets are called to understand God and to look around at humanity and to talk about both and hold them in tension. It's his job. And he runs in the exact opposite direction of his job. When have you done this? Studying for a chemistry final, it was your job in class to understand what was going on in that test and you were supposed to study. TPS reports, some kind of file at work. Did you run? You said, mm -mm. no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Not today. Cleaning up the house when somebody was gone, it's your job to clean up the house and the yard today. Did you get right on it? Or maybe take a little nap and then we'll see how it works out. And you know, rain came along. Dang, who would have predicted rain? He says, go to that great city, and instead Jonah gets on a boat. And that's your next phrase, he paid the fare. The one is the literal, he paid the price to get on that boat to go in the exact opposite direction. But he's going to pay a significant price for going this direction. And everyone involved in his decision is going to pay a significant price for what he did. Let's look at it. Verse 4. But the Lord, hur the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, 
so that there was a great storm on the sea. The ship looked like it might be broken to pieces. The sailors were terrified, and each one cried out to his own God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to make it lighter. Now Jonah had gone down into the hold of the vessel to lie down and was in a deep sleep. The ship's officer came and said to him, How can you possibly be sleeping so deeply? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps the God will, come, will give some thought to us so that we won't perish. Meanwhile, the sailors said to each other, Come on, let's cast lots so that we might learn who is to blame for the evil that's happening to us. Wouldn't that be interesting if you were at the house and somebody did something, somebody left a cup on the table? Or somebody left ice cream in the sink and should have put it in the sink and you were like, all right, everybody get in. It was you. <laughs> what? They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, tell us, since you're the cause of this evil happening to us, what did you do and where are you from? What's your country and of what people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were terrified and said to him, What have you done? The men knew that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. They said to him, What will we do about you so that the sea will become calm around us? The sea was continuing to rage. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm around you. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Did y'all notice great again? He's bringing the great thing. Except it's an awful thing. It's a large thing. It's a scary thing. It's a frightening thing. And that's your next phrase. I know it's my fault. How does that feel? How does it feel in the workplace for something to be a failure and for you to know for a fact that it was your fault. How does it feel in the house when something just doesn't go the way that it should or a trip doesn't go the way that it should or you miss the exit on a seven-hour trip and now we've got another 15 miles before we can turn around again? How does it feel in the life of the church when you've been given a task or an opportunity and it didn't go well and you think, I, I know it's my fault. I have been at this now 18 years. It's my job to study this text and understand it and to understand God's grace. And it's taken me 17 and three quarter years to realize if you made a mistake yesterday, especially if that yesterday was Sunday, let it go. I got to go to the next one. There is another one coming. And if I'm thinking about that one, those large mistakes, when you know that it's your fault, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot to carry. And sometimes people are glad to remind you that it was your fault, right? He says, I know it's my fault. He knows he's putting his life at risk. He's putting these men on, these, on this boat, their life at risk. He's putting the people of Nineveh, their life, at risk because God's saying if they can't turn around, something's going to have to be done. So for whatever reason, it happens to you. You're given an opportunity and you think, mm-mm, mm-mm. If you miss that opportunity and then you think, I know it's my fault. There's nothing. I can't go back. I can't fix it. And sometimes it involves death. I've been there in the hospital room with a loved one who is gone. And the opportunity of family that's surrounding them to reconcile with one another and that for that person to see it or for them to reconcile with that person is now gone. And you think, if you're thinking it's my fault. But man, the anger if you're thinking that it's someone else's fault and that person is connected to you. Jonah puts his life at risk. The men on that boat, their life at risk. The 
people of Nineveh, their life at risk, and he says, just toss me into the water. <laughs> Imagine being the guys on this ship. And it's the same as when the disciples are in a big storm. These aren't rookies. They've been on a ship in a storm. It's the same as Jesus would be asleep in the bottom of the boat. Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat because he has a sense of calm because he knows what it's connected to. I know it's my fault. Verse 13. The men rode to reach dry land and they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. Guess who else tried to do that? Disciples. So they called to the Lord saying, Please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life and don't blame us for innocent blood. You are the Lord. Whatever you want, you can do. Then they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased its raging. The men worshipped the Lord with profound reverence. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made solemn promises. You know what we do when we have a baptism, what we do when we have communion, what we do when we have a new member, whatever it may be, we make solemn promises. And people in the congregation reaffirm their solemn promises. It's significant what they did. Meanwhile, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Your last phrase. The men worshiped the Lord. You know what they were doing before? Each calling out to their own God. Each calling out to anything that ever was. Anybody got that thing, that little stick figure guy? Let's worship him. Anybody got that coin thing? Let's worship that. Anybody got the ball that we shake it and we ask it a question? Let's worship that thing. Whatever it may be, whatever's going to get us out of this really captures the human condition, does it not? Whatever can help me get out of whatever this is that popped up in my life. Those guys transitioned from that to they worshiped the Lord. They had already cried out. They had already tried to row their way out of the problem. Y'all like that one too? We love that move. No, no, no. I got this. I'll row first before I ask for any help. But then they recognized God amongst them. These men would likely not read Scripture before this day. And they would struggle to read Scripture after this day because of their work. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes it's a struggle. You know that a fair portion of people, this is what our bishop said to the Greenville District yesterday, you are the only scripture that an overwhelming number of people will ever read. How's that feel? Your actions and your words in every direction that you go are the only scripture that the overwhelming majority of people will ever read. So let's learn from Jonah. Let's think about the chances that we have in front of us. Let's not try to run at every instance. Let's not figure, if God says, I need you to do this thing, or I feel a sense that I need to do this thing, to not go, mm-mm, mm-mm, for whatever reason. He says, go to that great city of Nineveh, and that is Jonah's job. And for the next three weeks, We'll read about what unfolded as he did. Um, if you'll please join me in our modern affirmation. Uh, please stand as you're able. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality 
here on earth. You may be seated. The words that we're about to say had a lot to do with why I picked this text for January. As we're looking at a new year, new opportunities that we have to be the best we can possibly be. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Public confession. Public acknowledgement that as a group we have struggled, as individuals we have struggled, as a church we have struggled. It's a critical part of worship. But so is forgiveness. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. If you'll turn to your left and your right and say, peace be with you. And like for real, like mean it, right? Peace be with you as we say it. Peace be with you as forgiven and reconciled people. It's now time for our offering. And you can give as the plate goes by. You can give online with instructions in the bulletin. If you're new to us, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can rely upon the generosity of our people. They're quite generous.
Jesus used very common elements around a very common table with very common people and did a very uncommon thing. He broke the bread. He gave thanks to God. He gave it to them and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup. He said, Take and drink, this is my blood of the new covenant, a new promise, a new opportunity poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins beyond our group of disciples, beyond our nation's lines throughout the entire planet, and it's made it to us today. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward are welcome to do so. Any of you can come forward after participating in this worship service, but you're by no means required to come forward. If you're wondering what this is, you can certainly watch and remain in your seat. If you'd like to come forward, you certainly can. We have um, gluten-free elements if you would like. They're on the table. Just come by and get one as you come. And if you'll come by the middle and return by the outside, and these folks, make sure you step over. Uh, the carpet as you come. Please come.
Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this table. We thank you for the invitation to come. We thank you for the grace that's offered. And we help you to urge us to not leave this table in this space on this day. But to make every table we have going forward throughout this month a table of opportunity, grace, mercy, and joy. For you have called us to do so. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and sing this last one with us?
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. So come on and sing out that our anthem go loud. There is one great love, Jesus. Have a great week.